Coffee Conversations about Influence Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influence marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Good day, and thank you for listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. Today, we have Jared Trembath chatting to us about the Gillette Women's Day campaign and why it was such a big success. He also gives some great tips on campaign planning, so keep a pen and notepad ready. Jared is a digital marketing and biddable media leader with one of the biggest media advertising agencies in the world and has led over 30 global brands in their digital marketing strategy, which makes him a powerhouse and front runner in navigating brands in the forever changing digital world. Before listening to this episode, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share. Without any further delay, happy listening. Thank you so much, Jared, for being with us today. Um, but I think to kick things off, please, can you tell us a bit more about who you are as a person and what your role is at Mediacom? Yeah, and thanks so much. Um, great to be here. Um, yeah, so I have multiple roles um, within Mediacom, but I guess to sum it all up, I, I lead and head up digital marketing and strategy for several FMCG clients, pharmaceutical, so pharmaceutical clients, financial corporates, as well as recently onboarded as a gaming console um, client. So really a vast experience within um, multi-clusters. Um, and yeah, I guess a, a little bit about myself. I have about 10 years experience now working in marketing. I'm fortunate enough to be through the line skilled. So above the line, which is your more tra- traditional marketing values, which is TV, out of home and print. Um, but I think within the last, I would say, eight years, I focused really on d- 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 digital and s- social media. Um, I started off as a community manager um, and then progressed my way up there. And I think I've really been focused on like data science within the last two years, I would say. I love that. That means you're like super well-rounded. You have done everything from the bottom to the top and you're really the right guy for us to chat to today. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, which brands do you generally look after? Who's your babies there? So um, within the FMCG uh, space, I kind of look after Procter & Gamble. Um, so they have a, a host of, um, of, of um, brands, so ranging from baby care to fem care to oral care to um, health. Um, then I consult in terms of strategy on Bebea brands. Um, so that's a, f- a pharmaceutical company. Um, in the financial cluster, um, it's it's more towards um, home loan clients. Um, so it's a bond or a bond or originator. Um, and then in terms of gaming, which is really exciting, it's PlayStation. About twenty one brands that are. Oh my kind gosh! Do you ever sleep, Jared? Uh, <laughs> that's uh yeah not not all that much but yeah i i stick to a very st- a strict schedule so i work but i do work longer hours i work about 10 to 12 hours per day oh my gosh well, <laughs> we won't keep you too long otherwise we wanted to get your eight hours tonight still <laughs> um obviously we're here to chat a bit more about your experience in influence marketing and digital marketing 
can you maybe remember the first time you ever even became aware of influencer marketing? Yeah, actually very, very clear. Uh, um, it might be it sound a bit strange, but I do feel that this kind of falls into the influencer marketing marketing cluster is actually mm. when I was a young child watching Oprah, you know, she had yeah. those wonderful segments when she gave her audience away free things and free yeah. free products and free brands. And I was, you know, watching this as as a child, you know, obviously watching it with my with my gran or with my mom, whoever it was. You know, yeah. I had two really strong thoughts. The first thought, obviously, was how do I get on Oprah? Because <laughs> I want the free stuff. Obviously, um, <laughs> you get a car. You get a everyone car. Gets everyone one. gets a car. <laughs> so, like, how do I do that? And then, obviously, the second thought, which I think was actually kind of birthed my career in marketing, was I wanted to know why she chose those products. What oh. made those products so special? They must be the best in business for Oprah to give them away. And I think, you know, that that thought and that train thought in my mind as a young boy or teen, I think it was more of my teenager years, um, was around about that. It was all about how they, how she chose that. And obviously, back then, I didn't know, like, it was probably a brand partnership and paid for, etc. Um, but in my mind, I thought she naturally just went out and bought the products and gave them to her, gave them to her guests. Um, so I think that was my first impression, but then of most recent um, times, which is back, I think in 2008, 2009, um, yeah. I took a, a bit of a gap year and I went uh, overseas. I worked in the, in the States. Um, and whilst I was staying in the States, I was exposed to obviously the wonderful world of American TV advertising. And they really <laughs> don't have that many laws there. Like they can really direct compare they are able to kind of call out, you know, their competitors' shortfalls. So it really is a, a dog-eat-dog world over there in American yeah. marketing. But what really stood out for me there was the Old Spice ads. And that's not a biased point of view, but they really, really did stand out for me because they were so bombastic. They were so ridiculous. They were so funny, um, you know. And you, no matter where I was, you know, if I was, if then I was in Walmart shopping, whether I was out with friends or whether I was just simply living my day-to-day life. Whenever I saw an Old Spice ad, a TV flyer within the, in the shop store uh, shelvings, that ad always popped into t- my head. And I was like, I want to make ads like that one day. And I think, the, yeah, that was it really, I think. Are you thinking about this ads where with like Terry Crews and things? We're like, look at the horse, look at me. Yes, look correct. And that other guy, Isaiah. They were the best ads. They were so funny. And like we only were experienced. I mean, I suppose if you go into YouTube, you can you can pick up quite a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but like in, in the States in 2008, 2009, when I was staying in the States, they had so many different like versions of it and so many different things that popped up, you know, when um it was a big football match, they had one that was that created specifically for that campaign when there was this happening, when there was that happening. Um, and it just, you know, the brand recall and the, I would say the consumer journey that I had as a, as a, mm-hmm. a TV watcher or as a media consumer was, was so well planned because it all made so much sense. And your, your recall of the ad that played prior, I don't know, two weeks ago, stuck in your head when you, when you watched this one. And I think, you know, it was just, it was really, really wonderfully done. And I think, you know, that was, I would say the most recent, you know, acknowledgements of this is something that I really wanted to do. Amazing. And when it comes to influencer marketing, how did that play into 
into those ads that you kind of recall so amazingly well? I think, you know, for me, they had the right choice, right? So they selected mm-hmm. the, the, the right influencer for those campaigns. You know, we all know t- 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 Terry Crews for his white chick stunts. You know, I think that's when everyone started off becoming aware of what he was when he was playing that really bombastic yeah. role in that within that movie. And then it was kind of linked to his, 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 his Old Spice ads. And it just really, really well suited and fit his persona. Um, and, and I think that really, really helped because it was authentic because you just had all these flashbacks of the things that he's done in the past and it wasn't like a sore thumb. It wasn't, you know, um, not really aligned to who he was as as a person. And, and whilst, yeah, sometimes it, it does help the brand to kind of push the boundaries to see that person in a new light. Um, but I think this just worked really well. It was, and cause they really wanted it to be funny and they, and I think they, they hit the nail on the head there. Absolutely agree with you there. So let's chat about one of your recent um, influencer campaigns that you ran, Gillette, yeah. actually, with PNG, the Gillette Women's Day campaign. And I think when a lot of women, when August approaches, we all kind of in the industry just start hanging our heads because we know what's coming. <laughs> um, these horrible Women's Day campaigns where people just do all this fluff. Yeah. And it's like, here's something pink, like happy Women's Day. Yeah. And it was just, please, even before you want to do it, just don't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's good. Yeah, I, I won't comment much on that. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone knows what you're going to say. <laughs> um, but what was your Gillette Women's Day campaign all about? Yeah, I think, and I think this is, where do I start? I think it's something that is really close to my heart. Um. And I think we need to just take one step back to 2019 before we speak into my campaign that I launched now in 2020 with um, influencer marketing was, um, you know, in 2019, uh, we kind of worked with the brand and the creative agency for months on end um, to launch a short story film, um, which was kind of shot and, and, and it was kind of capturing a day in the life of a typical essay boy or SML that grows up. Stats show okay. that two out of three boys grow up without having a father figure. So therefore, they are being brought up by females. They're female-led households. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you become a teenager boy, there are certain things that you know you obviously will look to your father for because you don't understand, you know, the complexities of why you are growing here in places that you never grew here before. There are certain sure. things that you would look to, look to your father for for advice, and the shocking stat is two out of three boys don't have that, and therefore, this film paid homage and paid respects to all the gogos out there, to all the moms, to all the female-led households that are raising, shaping, and nurturing the next generation of men, and that was so powerful for us. Um, yeah. And the film, I would encourage everyone that is listening to this to go and watch it. It is so emotional. It's on the Gillette essay page, YouTube. Um, and and just take an insight of how powerful that these women are, that they are raising boys, they are raising our men of today. And I think taking this film in, and it was so successful, it wasn't a, uh, it was a paid media campaign um, that leveraged a creative strategy. Um, okay. And so, therefore, there was in 2019 there was no influencer marketing lead as per se. 
Um, but we we did a lot of paid media placements and we, it, we created enough buzz for that the president himself mm-hmm. to speak about the campaign. So in his 2019 oh, wow. Women's Day speech, he referenced the Gogonoziswe campaign and, and he acknowledged all the great work that females are doing by raising our men. And that was just some context that I, I, I want to give you um, that gave our basis to our 2020 execution, which was an influencer marketing only campaign. So it was an organic campaign. So there was no paid media. It was simply okay. simply an influencer marketing campaign in 2020. And the reason why we did this, it was a throwback for people to watch that video. And especially now in this really surreal time that we are experiencing in 2020, whereby women now have to run a home, be a mother, be a wife, be a professional businesswoman, you know, in whatever yeah. facet that might be. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you need to be a CEO, but whatever job you have, you have to hold that job down. And I think the film speaks to that. And we really want to leverage that and select influences that could push that message as strongly as, as we could. And um, yeah, we had a whole strategy done in terms of the briefs that they did, the executions that they did. Um, and it just worked really, really well. And we, we were so happy with how we kind of were perceived because, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, it is quite a risk. We are, it is a very male brand. So when you think of Gillette, you don't think of female, you immediately think of male. So it was a risk and it just, it paid off so well. People really, really were really, really warm to it. They really embraced it and they really got what we were trying to do here. I absolutely love that it started as more of a traditional and paid media campaign last year and you kind of carried it through to this year and just has kind of evolved into another marketing channel Yeah. and also moved with the times because like you say, we're living in such surreal times and the research and everything shows that because people are at home, we spend so much more time online. So you really tapped into where people are spending their days by using these influences on social media and online. Which yeah. is great. Thanks. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> uh, what type of influences did you tap into to reach your audience for for this year's campaign, Jared? You know, I think it 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 really does depend on the campaign. But for this campaign itself, we really uh, chose a, a mixture. So I have tested it out in terms of what type of influencer works: nano, micro, macro. Um, and I, and I think, you know, in terms of this campaign, we, we did a splice, which always for me works really well. So it was a, a few nanos well, quite a lot of nanos, a few macros, um, that really pushed what we were, what we were trying to achieve here. Um, what more so was important is not so much how much followers they had, but for us, what meant the most was, um, how their brand persona and online persona matched the campaign taking into account the 2019 execution and film, and then the, what we were trying to push in 2020, which was giving context in today's time. And so therefore, we, we, we spent a lot of time going through those influences, going through their profiles, evaluating their online presence, evaluating how they engage with their consumers uh, and, their, and, their, and their followers. And that's kind of the basis that we kind of chose the correct fit for this campaign um and then purely from a consumer a follower or reach 
perspective, it was a few a few nanos, which are generally between zero and probably ten thousand uh, followers, and then micros is around about ten to hundred thousand followers. So that's kind of where we did it. We kind of spliced the kind of execution that way. I think it's so important that you you mentioned everything you just said. Firstly, I love a good mix of different types of influencers because you can do so much more with them. You can get like your authenticity, your resonance, and then with the bigger guys, you can get your reach. Uh, Amazing. And then I also think it's really important um, that you're saying you're not really looking at how many followers they have because I think so many people and marketers still are stuck on that that numbers yep. um, and we know it's so easy um, and it's been happening all this influence of fraud where people are buying in um, followers yeah and it, you're not even buying bots these days you can literally buy real followers that doesn't show up on audits which is really really scary it is yeah um, but it's much more important to actually look if they resonate with your brand and if they have the same values and if they have great real engagement and how people react to them. So I think that's really good to keep in mind for anyone that's listening today. Yeah, I think that, that that's exactly it. And I think the profiles and their online persona and who they are as a brand, because they themselves are a brand, um, is really important. It's not about how much reach they have, how much f- followers they have. Yes, we want to get decent reach. That's always any brand um, type of objective, but brands need to realize that influencer marketing, it's it's OTS reach. So it's opportunity to see. It's not guaranteed reach. So if that's really important, select an influencer that stands for your brand values and build in a paid media campaign to, to su- supplement the reach. Oh, you're speaking my language, Jared. <laughs> speaking my language. <laughs> Definitely. So in your opinion, what made this campaign so super successful? I think it's because we put our consumer at the heart of what we what we were trying to push this wasn't a brand exposure campaign we didn't want to sell product we we didn't want to to kind of push buy our raises now it wasn't anything of that sort it was simply a campaign that we wanted you to pay respect and give context to what we launched the year before in a very authentic way and i think that was the, the core focus of what we were what we were trying to push here. it was a simple um, I would say a brand love campaign, if that makes sense, um, whereby we, we wanted to give back to the females out there that are doing their absolute utmost to keep things in control and keep things done within their own household. Um, and they, they, they were obviously a small brand tie and, you know, with hashtags, et cetera. Um, and we, we did want to drive education of consumers to watch our branded video. And then it was the consumer journey, right? So I think... It just all worked really well. It felt authentic. It it felt really, really genuine from the um, paid uh, partnerships that we went into with the uh, different nano influencers and micro influencers. Um, but people will always know that's paid partnership because of the law nowadays where we have to include hashtag ad or hashtag paid partnership. So, um, but it was, yeah, I think that made it a success is because we didn't focus on brand, but we focused on the consumer journey and how as a as a person that doesn't know anything about that about what we did last year to show them the video to give context to why it means so much in 2020 and then to give and pay respect to your female hero in your life 
Wonderful. So not just another fluffy, here's a pink ad for you. Correct. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and the team are experts in the field and they've spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast, and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. David, you've already told us a bit how you kind of um, go about selecting your influences for your campaigns. But can you maybe take us a little bit through your process um, from when you decide that, you know, an influencer campaign could really add some really good value to a campaign we're running to when you're actually implementing it? What is your kind of process that you go through to make sure that this will be an effective campaign? Yeah. um, Yeah. So that's quite complicated, um, but I'll try to make it as simple as I possibly can. <laughs> I think um, to sum it all up, I'm going to take you through a few steps that I do, but plan, plan, plan. I, I cannot Absolutely. say that enough. Um, operation and planning excellence needs to be on your forefront, but I would definitely say um, I'll give them a different step. So step one is to kind of define what your brand communication strategy is. I think that's most important. And it's really important for you to kind of bring that to life into why you want to enter into a influencer marketing campaign. Very, very important. Step two would then convert though that communication strategy into actionable outcomes. So measurement, measurement, measurement. So make sure you link the correct KPIs to the campaign so you as a brand know what success looks like. Um, and also if you're going to partner with a influencer marketing agency, they need to know what success looks like because you cannot tell them I want X, Y, and Z, but you know, they need to say, okay, we want to achieve A, B, and C. Then they can help you along that journey. Um, so very, very important measurement step two need to definitely have actionable outcomes to your communication strategy. I think the the step three would kind of be mapping out your consumer journey. So or as a consumer, and you come into uh, a lot with the campaign, you see a micro-influencer post or a, a, a big celebrity post, what is your consumer's journey and how do you want to kind of uh, perceive, how do you want them to perceive your campaign? So that's very, very important. Um, I think once you've kind of got step one, two, and three done, which is um, communication strategy, KPIs, and measurements, and mapping your consumer journey, is definitely mm-hmm. is paid media is next to needs to be on your on your next to do list. So run those paid media scenarios um, and make sure that you know you're supplementing your campaign, your influencer marketing campaign with paid media. Once again, influencer marketing is OTS, so it's opportunity to see. So the influencer might have 1.2 million 
con uh, consumers that follow them, you're not going to get that reach, right? It's no. an opportunity to see. So therefore, you really need to have a paid media strategy built into that campaign. And also, it works really well. We've all been on social media. We've seen um, major celebs being um, pr promoting a product, and it says yep. they um, Jared Schoenbach in partnership with Anne. You know, it just, it, it really, it, it, we've all seen that it works really well and it gives you those really nice marketing KPIs that we're trying to reach. So your CPMs, your CPEs, your engagement rates, et cetera. That's when you can measure real metrics. Um, so definitely paid media needs to be built in. Step five, then I suppose once you've got all that done, is plan for your execution. <laughs> I really can't stress this point, point enough. <laughs> is plan, plan, plan. So as much as we want our influencer marketing campaigns to seem very authentic, very organic, very natural, there's a hell of a lot of planning that goes into the campaign to make it seem that way. So it doesn't just happen out of the blue. It, it, it really, it, we really need to plan. So definitely paying attention to your planning process, setting up milestones, setting up dates and gates, um, and making sure that everything is thought of before you go live. Um, and then I would say the last point would be think big when it comes to your creative execution. Um, and I think a lot of people um, and brands, when they think of influencer marketing, immediately go to creative execution. That's like their first thing okay. that they think of is what do I want them to do? How do I want? It is, it is important, but you need to go through the five prior steps that I've kind of mm. spoke about before you get to that because how are you going to brief your influencer on a creative execution that meets your communication strategy that kind of reaches your goals that also um, enables the correct consumer journey um, so I think the creative execution is very important but you need to know all of that stuff before so that when you brief your um, different influencer or influencer agency that the creative makes sense. So definitely it would be kind of the last leg for me. I mean, obviously, I think as a brand, um, you would know exactly what you want to push. So in your mind, you might already know, sure. I want this to, to, to work and then that's fine. Then you can kind of work backwards. But yeah, for me, it's always the last step. I 100% agree with you. It's like you say, if you don't know what you want, <laughs> you don't know what to brief people. Yeah, exactly. It's really simple as that. Um, those are really great steps. But I want to ask you, if we go back to paid media, yeah. um, incorporating that into your influencer campaigns, I'm 100% on board with that. I think it does give you that metrics you want. You can really target target markets so precisely and so many more of them, which is fantastic, um, and convert them mm. or whatever you want to do. But we can sometimes find when we include it in our strategies um, to customers that they go, but why do I need to pay people to see it if I've got my influencers? You're telling me use influencers. What would be your answer to that? So I go I go back to what I what I have said before, where influence marketing is OTS. So for brands yeah. that that really want to reach maximum consumers, they need to bear in mind that influencers are not going to get you their full amount of followers. Therefore, when you're measuring success of the campaign, you you are always going to be skewed a little bit um, when, when it comes to that if you don't have paid media because 
uh, you, you aren't really able to bear down those fancy marketing metrics that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis no. because of the fact that it is not paid media. <laughs> so therefore, for it to be a success in terms of getting the right target audience as well, so every brand has their own target audience, um, and you want to reach a certain market cluster. Um, so let's say for argument's sake, it's females 20 to 40. Um, with paid media, you're able to construct and plan and hit that target market and serve the con your creative and serve your campaign to that audience. Yes, yes, the influencer agency, or if you're doing it yourself or your PR agency will be able to kind of get a profile of this influencer has X amount of followers, they fit into this demographic, etc. However, I think it's not guaranteed that you're going to reach that. And therefore, you really, really need paid media. It also does a lot for your brand though, right? So if you see a major celebrity that is now in paid partnership with your brand, people notice that. And it, and, and it does a lot for your brand because they are acknowledging that they are endorsing your brand. So I think a lot of brand managers don't see that link, that as soon as there is paid partnership, it's an, it's an endorsement. So they are getting tagged, they're, they are get, using the correct hashtags, but the paid partnership gives us that extra leg and it gives us as marketers actionable outcomes that we can measure. Because without it, there will, there will be very limited metrics that we can measure for success. Absolutely. And I also think that um, instead of just pushing out a brand ad that we all know doesn't get great engagement because it's a brand, if you use that authentic um, influencer content it just works so much better through paid media and gets you your your objectives that you wanted to do with your brand stuff exactly and I think you know it, it really comes down to getting a 360 degree approach because whilst you're having this paid media running and influencer marketing campaign you know your community managers should be briefed on that so they should be going on to, um, you know, the influencers um, posts, taking part in the conversation where it feels right. Obviously, not every single comment jumping on it. Make sure it feels authentic that the brand is taking part in meaningful conversation and not just spamming, um, you know, every single type of comment that someone puts on because, yeah, then it's not going to look right. But I think, you know, having your community managers monitoring the conversations and jumping on where it means the most also gives the brand more of control over what they want consumers yeah. to see. And it also gives them more perspective. Yes, that can be done in an organic sense. It doesn't, obviously, it doesn't need paid media. But yeah, paid media is definitely there for actionable and measurable outcomes. Absolutely. I think you just said something so important. Please brief your community managers when you're running an influencer campaign. Yeah. I think that is a step that a lot of brands forget about or they just it just slips their mind. Um, and then when all these influencers are pushing out this amazing content, the, the community manager has no clue what's happening. So that's a really, really good point to remember. Yeah, and I think it's a point that's overlooked quite frequently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when so let's talk about traditional and even other digital campaigns um, that you would run yeah. for your brands. How do you or do you ever incorporate influence marketing into that as kind of a support role? And how does that work? Always. <laughs> where where where, yeah. where I can. <laughs> 
are always incorporated into multiple different avenues in my total media plan. Um, it just makes sense for multiple reasons. Um, so consistency being one of them, brand recall being a, being being one more, frequency. Um, it just makes the world of sense to incorporate the influencer campaign into every facet that you possibly can. Um, yes, once again, it won't work for every campaign. So you have no to ev evaluate your campaign on, on, on the basis of what your communication strategy is. But it's really, really good and I've incorporated it in, onto TV, into out of home, into programmatic advertising, into obviously social media. I mean, that's obviously going to happen. Given. That's, a, that's a given. <laughs> it's going to be incorporated into brands and social media. But yeah, it's over and above that. So you can use that for content on programmatic. You can use it for content on YouTube. You can use it for content onto out of home. I've used it for content on TV. Um, so it really, really works well um, because the consumer is seeing that type of content when they're on their feed, right? So they're scrolling through their feed. They see uh, this micro influencers chatting about this. Then they go on to um, their like, website searches and they're reading up on their different um, websites that they obviously do daily. They're seeing the programmatic advertising there. They're driving to work. They're seeing it over there. When they're watching TV, they are seeing it there. So it really, really just makes so much sense to incorporate it wherever you can. And I think it also helps a lot of brands where they kind of struggle for content. So I work with most of my brands are global brands. And a lot of them struggle with content. So um, it really helps us to kind of get the right content as well because we obviously own the rights. Um, it's very important to um, work that into your um, contract with them. And then you can reuse that content as well. So I think it, it really does help a lot. I think for your global brands, it's also makes life a bit easier to get local content because we know a lot of brands have been completely lambasted for using international content um, yeah. to market to South African markets. So that kind of solves that problem as well. Exactly. Um, because of the fact that it's, you know, yeah, it doesn't look authentic when we're using stock images. Yeah. Um, stock images, it's, it's, it's a struggle to get local. Um, and so this really helps because brands are able to kind of get that local content, get that really awesome type of um, content that speaks really, really nicely to their, their actual campaign um, and they can reuse it. So it just makes sense. Don't just launch a campaign and then it goes and it lives for the two weeks or the, the four mm. weeks, however long it is, and then it dies, but rather let it run for however long your campaign might be. And then think of a plan that it lives longer than that. And that's when I think I go back to my step four or five earlier on where I said, plan, plan, plan. It makes plan, more plan, sense. Plan. So you need to kind of cater over and above. Okay, so you run the marketing campaign. It was fantastic. You got all this wonderful engagement. Um, now, how do you make it live over and above that? And I think that's like really Absolutely. important. Absolutely. So, um, Jared, when it comes to having an agency partner for influencer marketing, is that really important to you? Yeah, it really is. I think because of the fact um, of two main th reasons, it's client service and communication. Um, so, for me, that, that really helps um, in terms of the planning phase. Um, and, of course, um, it helps with making sure that the operations go smoothly. Um, and I feel that those two main points, um, a influencer marketing agency is really, really able to kind of help bridge that gap. 
um, because yeah. they take care of everything. They take care of all the client service, all the communication, all the legals, all the admin, um, and you have a single point of contact for all of that. Um, and it really, it, it just, it works so well for me. Um, I have managed this, these type of campaigns on a one-on-one basis where I've negotiated with influencers, I've launched it on oh, my yeah. own, um, and it, it's, it's, it's not an easy job. <laughs> um, so definitely it's something that I would, I would recommend continuously. Absolutely. And I think also they have, because they are specializing in influence marketing, they know exactly um, what they're doing because they do it on a data basis with all the changes. Like we all work in digital and things just change like on a monthly basis. There's new yeah. rules, there's new people, there's new influences popping up. And I also think they've got um, those databases that you need. So they can just overlap what you really need um, and start looking for those guys in the databases instead of trawling social media and scraping data and trying to from you know trying to start establishing a relationship negotiating exactly. fees they've already got all of that they're just going you know what, jared we've got some great people for you let's have a look you exactly know? and like if you also want to get stuff live quickly i think that also helps because like for you as a single person trying to trying to do this um it might take quite a while whereby influencer marketing agencies they have all the right tools connections and everything of that sort and you know i i've reached out to my uh, partner agency multiple times and we've, we've been able to get stuff live in in one week um sometimes, oh, sometimes it's less than one week um so yeah it, it just yeah it just it really helps amazing so with our discussion i i can understand that you obviously do like influence marketing and and you you think it, it does a good job but do you think it's really delivers good ROI for marketers. Yes, definitely. If it's done right. Um, and I think that's the most important one here is if it's done right. So, you know, going back to the points and steps that I mentioned earlier is that you have to get that all right. What does success look like for the for your brand? And how are you um, complementing that with metrics that support that? So once again, that's where I think paid media really plays such an important role is because that's when you yes. get to measure ROI. If you do not have paid media, it becomes quite a gray area of how ROI is measured. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, you, you, you can do it 100%. You can 100% measure ROI. And I suppose it depends on also your brand. If you're a, a FMCG client, you know, you can tie it back to, to um, sales. And I've done that multiple times where, you know, we've measured the campaign against store sales and then there's a lift and it's RRIs provided. Um, and I think it's just really getting that, the correct measurements in place and making sure that you're measuring what success looks like. Um, so it does definitely provide RRI for a lot of brands when it's, when it's done right. Absolutely. And Justin, what's your three things that marketers should consider when they decide, look, I really want to um, implement an influencer marketing campaign and they're perhaps not um, as well versed as you are. They're kind of rookies. What should they consider? Oh, where to start? Um, I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try to do three top line views for you. Um, one first step is define who your target audience is. Very, very important. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to reach? 
Step two, I would say set clear and very, very precise objectives for your campaign. So I think it's it's very, very good um, to do that. Once again, measurement. Um, and then step, step three would kind of be then go into cre creative content executions, the right influences for the campaign. Um, and don't base that just on reach. Base that on their whole brand, who they are as a consumer, as a who their brand is online and match that to your step one and step two. Absolutely. I think those are great. You've given us such good tips today. So thank <laughs> you so much. I'm sure people are like, I'm going to listen to that, not just in my car, at home, write that down, keep it like a little black book. I hope so. So <laughs> you're well of wisdom. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We've come to the end of our conversation, unfortunately, and I think we would love to have you back at some point again when you've done some amazing things, just to talk to us about your great campaigns that you've done, if that's okay with you. Definitely. I would love it. That'd be amazing. Um, but to end off, can you please tell our listeners where they can connect with you online if they want to follow what you're doing or just get to know you a bit better? Yeah, definitely. I think LinkedIn is my favorite platform at this well, for the last couple of years. I love LinkedIn. I'm on there daily, every day, uh, multiple times a day. So I think LinkedIn would probably be the best way to connect with me. It's my name and surname, so Jared Trimboff. Uh, alternatively, you can reach me on email, which is my name and surname, so jared.trimbath at mediacom.com. But LinkedIn definitely is, 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 is a place to reach out and connect and share meaningful insights. Amazing. I agree with you. LinkedIn has just come such a long way. A couple of years ago, I, I just thought it's where people kind of put their experience. So it's kind of like an online CV yeah. to now where I'm like, this is great. You learn things, you connect with like-minded people, you learn so much from everyone else around the world. But yeah. I'm also, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, it's where I learn a lot of new things. I think the sharing capability of different insights works so well. Um, especially when you're trying to connect with global counterparts to learn from global best practice and take it locally. It's a real great platform. So yeah, if you kind of want to keep in touch and, you know, share insights with me, add me, connect, and we can take Amazing. it from there. I'm definitely connecting with you after this conversation. <laughs> great. <laughs> but Derek, thank you so, so much for making time for us. And um, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks so much, Anne. Much appreciated. Big pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Cheers.